Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE is a catalyst for change in the engineering industry, and one of the biggest ways we inspire that change is through our annual SWE conference for women engineers and technologists. This year's conference, WE21 in Indianapolis, Indiana, will help attendees at all ages and stages learn, connect, and grow. Join us for three days of networking and relationship building, over 250 professional development sessions, three inspirational keynotes, and a career fair featuring more than 300 exhibitors. Let's aspire to inspire at WE21, October 21st through the 23rd. Head to we21.swe.org for more info and to register. Hi, I'm Rachel Morford, FY22 President of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. Today I'm joined by Laura Gerstner, who works in R&D investment at CNH Industrial. In this role, Laura brings a unique perspective to business discussions due to her past experiences in engineering, program management, product development, finance, and accounting. Currently, she is a leader within the technology division and oversees research and development investments across agriculture and construction businesses. Thanks for joining us today, Laura. Ah, thanks for having me, Rachel. Happy to be here. So as we just heard, you have quite a portfolio of experience within engineering, but what initially attracted you to the field? You know, I've always had a, a general interest in both problem solving and how things work. I, I can remember when I was little, my mom would read a book called Mr. Bell's Fix-It Shop. And that book's about a guy who owns a repair shop and a little girl who comes to help him. And I think one of my favorite parts about the book always was he could repair random items, radios, whatever he may need to repair with general items he has in his back of, back of his workshop. So I really, really enjoyed that kind of perspective on fixing things. And then it also kind of tied into my own personal hands-on experience. My dad had a wood shop in our basement, and I remember growing up, my favorite part of the wood shop was his scrap pile. Uh, he would always leave little cutoffs of wood and, and whatever else down there. It was, you know, a little bit of an organized chaos, but he always said, you can do whatever you want with any of the wood down there. Made a couple small projects, but I think what was even more interesting about that pile of wood was how you'd always need it for other projects. Uh, if you ran into a little bit of a problem when you're making a shelf, maybe you need a little scrap piece of wood to give an extra buffer or, or maybe a push stick to get something through the table saw. So it was really using those unexpected items to get you through any problems you may encounter. So that kind of coupled with, you know, a, a strong affinity for math in high school and really enjoying a CAD class just kind of led me straight to mechanical engineering. Very cool. I imagine many of us have experience with the unexpected use of different materials as we're trying to solve problems in our home lives. So fun to hear about that experience for you. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you go to school and how did your studies influence your career path? I went to the University of Illinois and that's where I got my mechanical engineering degree. 
what I found when I was doing my schooling there was that I really enjoyed the classes that were more hands-on. So anything that had a lab associated with it or anything that had validation testing, that's what I really enjoyed. And I found that as well in my internships I had during college is that I just really enjoyed projects and hands-on experiences. So when I graduated, I knew that was the kind of job I wanted, but I also realized that it, I had a little bit of a, a gap in my learning. I didn't understand how engineering could tie to any company's general business practices, business needs. So when I was searching for a full-time position coming out of college, I was looking for a company that would really support continued education. And, and more specifically, I wanted to work for a few years and then go back and get my MBA, which I was able to do um, but after about four years working. I did go back to Arizona State University and got my MBA work, uh, working during the day and doing classes at night. So then I was able to get that, that business experience as well as the mechanical engineering degree. Very cool. Was there any particular set of obstacle or type of obstacle that you faced as a woman in engineering? Along those lines, if you did, how did you overcome them? Sure. Probably the most frequent obstacle, I'll say, was being the only or one of the only females in the room. And it's really more of a mental obstacle for me. It feels a little bit like imposter syndrome from time to time. You know, you don't easily see yourself being there, being at the table. And one of the ways that I've come, I've overcome that feeling of the mental challenge was finding colleagues who have similar experiences and are good listeners. More often than not, it was usually just me in my own head and, and finding somebody to talk that through was always really helpful. I was also fortunate to have managers that not only treated me fairly and supported me, but also gave me a little bit of extra guidance and mentorship to get past some of those mental challenges and really move on to the next opportunity. Something else I think a lot of our listeners can probably relate to, both being the only woman in the room and, and having that mental obstacle to, to get over. So thank you for sharing that. Can you explain to us how you've gained so much experience in multiple fields? I imagine that the interest in business practices and how engineering relates has helped with that. But, you know, you referenced getting an MBA. What pushed you to explore roles outside of what is considered standard engineering? Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you really touched on it there. What really broke open the door was, was that MBA, but it was really more the desire to get it, the desire to learn identify what I didn't know and really kind of go after it so you can always improve. So yeah, the MBA helped me to understand the business principles. But I think the other thing that it did is it, it really signaled as well to others out there, managers or my network, that I am interested in, in something different, something more. Several years back, I had a really strong manager slash mentor at CNH that helped me to keep pushing my limits really guided me on more than one occasion to take a look at a potential internal move that was very far outside of a standard path. And that's really also helped me to, to break out of my shell is having that right mentor there at the right moment 
to give me a little nudge to do something that I might not have done otherwise. It was also during one of those first non-traditional moves that I had someone come to me and he said, you know, you're one of those people that can really be good at anything you want to do. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't really believe this statement, but over the years, it caused me to really rethink some opportunities. It helped me to look past what might be in just a job title where I'd say, you know what, that doesn't fit what my experiences or what I've done, but actually go in and, and take a look at what it would take to do the job to see if those are things that I can do with my experiences, or perhaps more importantly, if it's something that I want to do. And I imagine something that you feel you could influence or have an impact on as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as you've looked at these different roles and and taken on different challenges, what has surprised you the most while exploring them? Well, it may seem a little basic, but it really comes down to how much a well-rounded understanding can really help you when you're looking at the big picture. And I'd say it even goes beyond helping you identify alternative solutions, but it, it also helps, in my experience, strengthen some of your networks because you can have more of a unique perspective and people may come to you looking for that from time to time. You know, I've, in one of my finance roles, I was able to walk someone out to one of our prototypes in the, sh- in the shop to show him what our prototypes were actually doing to help him relate that back to standard accounting principles. So I was able to provide a slightly different perspective on what I think a standard finance employee would be able to do that really helped bring his knowledge to a new level and also my own, because then I could make an additional connection between accounting and engineering. Absolutely. The strength of analogies is critical, I think, in communications. Plus, I imagine it was just cool for him to go out on a shop floor and see the product that he had been working on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, certainly a comment that he gave me walking away is, you know, I've never been in this part of the building. It's really fun to see some of our products being developed and see them in action. So tell us a little bit about your current role with CNH Industrial. What does a normal day look like for you? So I manage a global team and we are responsible for the agricultural and construction R&D investments. Right now that's well over 500 million on an annual basis. Uh, My team manages the tools and the methods for budgeting, forecasting, and then tracking our resources and activities. We really provide value by evaluating the plans and the results to help identify actions that can solve any issues that we may have, or even mitigate some of the risks that we could have coming. I mean, the end goal of what we do is to help the company spend its money in the most effective way. And from a personal perspective, I really enjoy the job because I'm able to see the progression of our R&D projects and activities. It also helps me link it back to my past experiences with program management and finance and engineering. Now, usually, besides these main responsibilities, I have a couple other special projects going on. I'll say my favorite at the moment is working with a wonderful group of women at the company. I'm actually a founding chair of our women's affinity group called IGLO. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about iGlow? I imagine it stands for something. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Uh, so iGlow, as I mentioned, is a, a women's affinity group at our company. iGlow stands for Inclusivity, Growth, Leadership, and Opportunity for Women. This started about three or four years ago. I was finding myself in another one of those situations where I was frequently in meetings. It was usually one or two other women and then 10, 20, 30 other males. But one of these women just continued to be in all the meetings. So I was probably just naturally drawn to her and we would start to talk. We started building a relationship that really kind of centered around discussions of, you know, professional challenges or anything that we had encountered over the years, I think we were both surprised at how many of our experiences were just so similar. And that really caused us to wonder, are there more people out there who are also having these similar experiences that could benefit from just having somebody to talk to? So we asked around for some of the colleagues that we'd worked with over the years and found that there were a few other women that were interested in doing this. So about a year and a half ago, we met up for a, a quick dinner just to see if we wanted to start a group that met maybe once a month and just talked about what we had going on. And it really kind of took off from there. We had a lot of organic growth. Somebody would find out about the group, ask to be forwarded the invite. It was just, it was really amazing to watch everybody come together and talk about not only those mental feelings when you can be the only female in a meeting, but also, you know, what are your general professional aspirations? You know, how can you take control of some of your development goals and build your networks? And the genuine interest in each other, both professionally and personally, has just been fantastic. You watch all these connections being made from people in completely different disciplines in different areas of the company, and it's, it's really great. So our official mission is to fully embody inclusivity and empower the women of CNH Industrial to inspire, learn, and grow to reach their full potential. So overall, in less, in less than two years, we have grown to over 80 members. Wow, that is, that is so impressive. And I imagine such a valuable resource for the women at CNH Industrial, that community within your, your professional workplace community. Yeah, it, it really is. I think we always enjoy not only our monthly meetings, but the breakout sessions we have that come off that to just talk about all these different topics and challenges. It sounds like a really special, special thing that you've created. So is there anything that you do personally to disconnect from work? And if so, what are your favorite things to do in your free time? Yeah, so I am married to a software engineer and we have two very young girls. So we're working to raise some more strong women. We like to spend time together as a family, usually playing sports, reading, and probably our favorite thing to do is home improvement projects. One of the most recent ones we've had lately was working outside to build up our home vegetable garden. Right now we have a lot of broccoli and lettuce coming in, and we're very much looking forward to our peppers and tomatoes in the weeks to come. So it's a great way to get the kids outside and engaged and don't tell them, but honestly eating healthy too. 
I can I can imagine that that is easier when they've grown the fruits and vegetables themselves. And it <laughs> yeah. sounds like it harkens a bit back to your experience growing up with your father in his his wood shop. Yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. Uh, right now, our garage, one of the stalls is filled with saws and scrap wood. You never know what you're going to need it for. Absolutely. So I know you will be giving a talk at We 21 in Indianapolis, Indiana later this year. What is the title of what you'll be speaking to us about and what can attendees expect to learn? Yeah, we are very excited to be coming. Uh, we are going to be hosting a session titled Farms of the Future, Innovation and Inclusivity in Agriculture Tech. So one of the big topics that we'll be teaching people about is population growth and how that is such a big impact on what agriculture has as their biggest challenge right now. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but since 1970, we've grown as a global population to about twice as much. And that trend is still going forward. So the challenges in agriculture right now are really about how can we produce more? How can we be better? How can we be more efficient in our process? And that's really driven a lot of the recent agricultural innovations. So we're going to be talking about what's changed. We're going to be talking about what advancements there have been, not only in the mechanical side, so some of our hydraulic components, but we're also going to be talking about the software as well. You know, what does it mean to have connectivity? How does your data work with you? And, and how can that work to make a farm more efficient? So we are really looking forward to sharing all of those innovations and how women have been a big impact all along the way for all of those items. The farms of the future and how all of those will be very similar, I imagine, to our home networks and how many homes are connected to the cloud at this point. It'll be really yeah. interesting. I'm yeah, excited absolutely. to hear it. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to having you there. It'll be a good session. Laura, thanks so much for walking us through your STEM background and career with CNH. To close this out, what are some words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Make time to learn. You know, your, your type, your style, and even your themes may continue to shift over time. I mean, right now you might be in an academic setting and maybe you're going to move to something that's more hands-on or even observational, but always make time for that learning. This will really keep the gears in your mind turning and will open up new doors along the way. So always keep learning and always keep those eyes open for opportunities. Laura, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. I think we've all learned quite a lot about lifelong learning and our common value in community and having shared opportunities to talk through experiences and goals. And I imagine a lot of our listeners have gained quite a bit from our discussion. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. I've, I've really enjoyed this and it was lovely talking to with you. Nice talking with you as well. I'm Rachel Morford. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. We hope you 
enjoyed this episode of Diverse, remember to head to we21.swe.org to learn more about and register for this year's conference. 